If I don't tell you, who will? Hey, this is Doc Washburn. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. We push back against the Uniparty and the deep state and let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. We have a renewed commitment with this new year of 2024 to produce this audio podcast once again on a regular basis. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. And check out the Medicare Funcast with my friend Brian Coolis. Medicare info if you need it, music, memories, and pop culture if you don't, on the Medicare Funcast YouTube channel. Okay, I just want to warn you right now. I'm going to be giving you graphic details. Details that you probably have not heard before. About what the Hamas jihadists and others did to innocent men, women, and children on October 7th, 2023 in Israel. If you believe that graphic descriptions of violence are more than you can take right now, At least I gave you a warning. But I'm reminded of the words of the German pastor, Martin Niemöller, from the middle of the 20th century. He said, first they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. You know, I wish everybody understood that idea. Uh, There is a very well-known, very influential, very famous conservative media figure. Used to be on television, now he's a podcaster. Who wants to give everybody the impression that he does not have any idea why it is important for Americans to care about what was done in Israel on October 7th. And I will be telling you exactly who that is. I will even be playing some audio from this guy. It's outrageous to me. But first, I need to say a word about the New York Times. Now, the New York Times is not known for being very fond of Christians, Jews, any conservatives. The New York Times has a history of being in lockstep with leftism, of being in lockstep with so-called progressive ideas, the ideas of socialism and bigger government. The New York Times, back in the 1930s, had a reporter 
a Walter Duranty out of Moscow who hid the fact that Joseph Stalin, the head of the Soviet Union, was intentionally starving millions of Ukrainians to death. And Duranty won a Pulitzer Prize, and the New York Times never gave it back, even after it became obvious what this guy was up to. So you don't really expect much out of the New York Times. I say all that to say this. They got an article out that dropped on December 28th, 2023, in which they had several reporters who actually did heavy research on what happened on October 7th in Israel. And they actually brought the truth out. And I was explaining to my wife how unusual this phenomenon is that the New York Times, of all outlets, has an in-depth article, in-depth reporting, in-depth research on what was done on October 7th in Israel. She said, that's amazing. I said, it certainly is. So I want to start off today sharing with you what the New York Times reported. And again, I'm warning you, we're talking about graphic descriptions of violence here. So the article is entitled, Screams Without Words, How Hamas Weaponized Sexual Violence on October 7th. A New York Times investigation uncovered new details showing a pattern of rape, mutilation, and extreme brutality against women in the attacks on Israel. This New York Times report was assembled, is reported by Jeffrey Gettleman, New York Times foreign correspondent, Anat Schwartz, and Adam Sella. They reported from across Israel and interviewed more than 150 people. Again, the story was posted December 28, 2023. And it went something like this. At first, she was known simply as the woman in the black dress. In a grainy video, you can see her lying on her back, dress torn, legs spread, vagina exposed. Her face is burned beyond recognition, and her right hand covers her eyes. The video was shot in the early hours of October 8th by a woman searching for a missing friend at the site of the rave dance party in southern Israel, where the day before, Hamas terrorists massacred hundreds of young Israelis. The video went viral with thousands of people responding, desperate to know if the woman in the black dress was their missing friend, sister, or daughter. One family knew exactly who she was, Gal Abdush, mother of two from a working-class town in central Israel, who disappeared from the rave that night with her husband. As the terrorists closed in on her, trapped on a highway in a line of cars of people trying to flee the party, 
She sent one final WhatsApp message to her family, which read, You don't understand. Based largely on the video evidence, which was verified by the New York Times, Israeli police officials said they believed that Ms. Abdush was raped and she has become a symbol of the horrors visited upon Israeli women and girls during the October 7th attacks. Israeli officials say that everywhere Hamas terrorists struck, the rave, the military bases along the Gaza border, and the kibbutzim, that's plural for kibbutz, which is kind of like the uh, communal villages in Israel. Everywhere Hamas terrorists struck, they brutalized women. A two-month investigation by the New York Times uncovered painful new details, establishing that the attacks against women were not isolated events, but part of a broader pattern of gender-based violence on October 7th. The Times relied on video footage, photographs, GPS data from mobile phones, and interviews with more than 150 people, including witnesses, medical personnel, soldiers, and rape counselors. The New York Times identified at least seven locations where Israeli women and girls appear to have been sexually assaulted or mutilated. Four witnesses described in graphic detail seeing women raped and killed at two different places along Route 232, the same highway where Ms. Abdush's half-naked body was found sprawled on the road at a third location. And the New York Times interviewed several soldiers and volunteer medics who together described finding more than 30 bodies of women and girls in and around the rave site and in two kibbutzim in a similar state as Ms. Abdush's. Legs spread, clothes torn off, signs of abuse in their genital areas. Many of the accounts are difficult to bear, and the visual evidence is disturbing to see. The New York Times viewed photographs of one woman's corpse that emergency responders discovered in the rubble of a besieged kibbutz with dozens of nails driven into her thighs and groin. The New York Times also viewed a video provided by the Israeli military, showing two dead Israeli soldiers at a base near Gaza who appeared to have been shot directly in their vaginas. Hamas has denied Israel's accusations of sexual violence. Israeli activists have been outraged that the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres and the agency UN Women did not acknowledge the many accusations until weeks after the October 7th attacks. Investigators with Israel's top national police unit, Lahav 433, have been steadily gathering evidence, but they have not put a number on how many women were raped saying that most are dead and buried and that they will never know. No survivors have spoken publicly. The Israeli police have acknowledged that during the shock and confusion of October 7th, 
the deadliest day in Israeli history. They were not focused on collecting semen samples from women's bodies, requesting autopsies, or closely examining crime scenes. Authorities said that at that moment they were intent on repelling Hamas and identifying the dead. A combination of chaos, enormous grief, and Jewish religious duties meant that many bodies were buried as quickly as possible. Most were never examined, and in some cases, like at the rave scene, where more than 360 people were slaughtered in a few hours, the bodies were hauled away by the truckload. That has left the Israeli authorities at a loss to fully explain to families what happened to their loved ones in their final moments. For instance, Ms. Abdusha's relatives never received a death certificate. They're still searching for answers. In cases of widespread sexual violence during a war, it is not unusual to have limited forensic evidence. That's what the experts are saying. Adil Haq, law professor at Rutgers and war crimes expert, said, armed conflict is so chaotic, people are more focused on their safety than on building a criminal case down the road. He said, very often, sex crime cases will be prosecuted years later on the basis of testimony from victims and witnesses. He added, the eyewitnesses might not even know the name of the victim, but if they can testify as, I saw a woman being raped by this armed group, that can be enough. A woman named Sapir, S-A-P-I-R, a 24-year-old accountant, has become one of the Israeli police's key witnesses. She does not want to be fully identified, saying she would be hounded for the rest of her life if her last name was revealed. She attended the rave with several friends and provided investigators with graphic testimony. She also spoke to the New York Times. In a two-hour interview outside a cafe in southern Israel, she recounted seeing groups of heavily armed gunmen rape and kill at least five women. She said that at 8 a.m. on October 7th, she was hiding under the low branches of a bushy tamarisk tree just off Route 232, about four miles southwest of the party. She had been shot in the back. She felt faint. She covered herself in dry grass and lay as still as she could. She said about 15 meters from her hiding place, she saw motorcycles, cars, and trucks pulling up. She said that she saw about 100 men, most of them dressed in military fatigues and combat boots, a few in dark sweatsuits getting in and out of the vehicles. She said the men congregated along the road and passed between them assault rifles, grenades, small missiles, and badly wounded women. She said it was like an assembly point. The first victim she said she saw was a young woman with copper-colored hair, blood running down her back, pants pushed down to her knees. 
One man pulled her by the hair and made her bend over. Another penetrated her, and every time she flinched, he plunged a knife into her back. Sapir said she then watched another woman shredded into pieces. While one terrorist raped her, she said, another pulled out a box cutter and sliced off her breast. She said one continues to rape her, and the other throws her breast to someone else, and they play with it, throw it, and it falls on the road. She said the men sliced her face, and then the woman fell out of view. She said around the same time she saw three other women raped and terrorists carrying the severed heads of three more women. Sapir provided photographs of her hiding place and her wounds, and police officials have stood by her testimony and released a video of her with her face blurred, recounting some of what she saw. Yura Carroll, 22-year-old security consultant, said he was hiding in the same spot, and he can be seen in one of Sapir's photos. He and Sapir were part of a group of friends who had met up at the party. In an interview, Mr. Carroll said he barely lifted his head to look at the road but he also described seeing a woman raped and killed. <clears throat> Sapir said since that day she has struggled with a painful rash that spread across her torso and she can barely sw- sleep, waking up at night, heart pounding, covered in sweat. She said that day I became an animal. I was emotionally detached, sharp, just the adrenaline of survival. I looked at all this as if I was photographing them with my eyes, not forgetting any detail. I told myself I should remember everything. That same morning along Route 232, southern Israel, but in a different location, about a mile southwest of the party area, Raz Cohen a young Israeli who had also attended the rave party and had worked recently in the Democratic Republic of Congo training Congolese soldiers said that he was hiding in a dried-up stream bed. It provided some cover from the assailants combing the area and shooting anyone they found. He gave his thoughts in an hour-and-a-half interview in a, in a restaurant in Tel Aviv. So security consultant Raz Cohen survived the October 7th attacks by hiding in that dried-up stream bed. He recalled maybe 40 yards in front of him, a white van pulled up and the doors flew open. He said he then saw five men wearing civilian clothes, all carrying knives, and one carrying a hammer, dragging a woman across the ground. She was young, naked, and screaming. Mr. Cohen said, they all gathered around her. She's standing up. They start raping her. I saw the men stand in a half circle around her. One penetrates her. She screams. I still remember her voice. Screams without words. 
He said, then one of them raises a knife, and they just slaughtered her. Shoam Goetta, one of Mr. Cohen's friends and a fashion designer, said the two were hiding together in the stream bed. He said he saw at least four men step out of the van and attack the woman who ended up between their legs. He said they were talking, giggling, and shouting, and that one of them stabbed her with a knife repeatedly, literally butchering her. Hours later, the first wave of volunteer emergency medical technicians arrived at the rave site in interviews. Four of them said that they discovered bodies of dead women with their legs spread and underwear missing, some with their hands tied by rope and zip ties in the party area, along the road, in the parking area, and in the open fields around the site of the rave dance party. Jamal Waraki, a volunteer medic with a nonprofit Zaka emergency response team, said he could not get out of his head a young woman in a rawhide vest found between the main stage and the bar. He said her hands were tied behind her back. She was bent over, half naked. Her underwear rolled down below her knees. Yanan Rivlin, a member of the Raves production team who lost two brothers in the attacks, said that after hiding from the killers, he emerged from a ditch and made his way to the parking area east of the party along Route 232 looking for survivors. He said near the highway he found the body of a young woman on her stomach, no pants or underwear, legs spread apart. He said her vagina area appeared to have been sliced open as if someone tore her apart. Similar discoveries were made in two kibbutzim, Be'eri and Kfar Aza. Eight volunteer medics and two Israeli soldiers told the New York Times that in at least six different houses... They had come across a total of at least 24 bodies of women and girls, naked or half-naked, some mutilated, others tied up, and often alone. A paramedic in an Israeli commando unit said that he had found the bodies of two teenage girls in a room in Be'eri. One was lying on her side, he said, boxer shorts ripped, bruises by her groin. The other was sprawled on the floor, face down, pajama pants pulled to her knees, bottom exposed, semen semen smeared on her back. He said because his job was to look for survivors, he kept moving and did not document the scene. Neighbors of the two girls killed, who were sisters, 13 and 16, said their bodies had been found alone, separated from the rest of their family. The Israeli military allowed the paramedic to speak with reporters on condition that he not be identified because he serves in an elite unit. Many of the dead were taken to the Shura military base in central Israel for identification. There, too, witnesses said they saw signs of sexual violence. Sherry Mendez, an architect, called up as a reserve soldier to help prepare the bodies of female soldiers for burial, said she had 
scene four with signs of sexual violence, including some with a lot of blood in their pelvic areas. She um, helped handle the bodies of the female troops in a container used to hold the bodies before their removal to the morgue at the Shura military base. A dentist, Captain Mayan, who worked at the same identification center, said that he had seen, said that she had seen, pardon me, she had seen at least 10 bodies of female soldiers from Gaza observation posts with signs of sexual violence. Captain Mayon asked to be identified only by her rank and surname because of the sensitivity of the subject. She said that she had seen several bodies with cuts in their vaginas and underwear soaked in blood and one whose fingernails had been pulled out. I um, hate to have to share these things with you, but I feel like it's my uh, duty. And oh, by the way, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified in Congress a few weeks ago that he is concerned that this same kind of attack could happen in the United States of America soon. Has anyone told you that? Have you heard that from anyone? I mean, if I don't tell you, who will? We just scratched the surface. More coming up straight ahead on the Doc Washburn Show. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online if you have any questions. One of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. 
They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Do you want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. All right, we continue. This amazing article from the New York Times. I just, I didn't expect them to admit the truth, and yet, and yet they do. And yet they do. The Israeli authorities have no shortage of video evidence from the October 7th attacks. They have gathered hours of footage from Hamas body cameras, dash cams. Security cameras and mobile phones showing Hamas terrorists killing civilians and many images of mutilated bodies. But Moshe Finzi, a deputy superintendent and senior spokesman of Israel's national police, said, we have zero autopsies, zero, making an O with his right hand. Police officials said in the aftermath of the attack, forensic examiners were dispatched to the Shura military base to help identify the hundreds of bodies. Israeli officials say around 1,200 people were killed that day. The examiners worked quickly to give the agonized families of the missing a sense of closure and to determine by a process of elimination who was dead and who was being held hostage in Gaza. According to Jewish tradition, funerals are held promptly. The result was that many bodies with signs of sexual abuse were put to rest without medical examinations, meaning that potential evidence now lies buried in the ground. International forensic experts said that it would be possible to recover some evidence from the corpses, but that it would be difficult. Mr. Fincy said Israeli security forces were still finding imagery that shows women were brutalized. He sat at his desk in an imposing police building in Jerusalem, swiped open his phone, tapped and produced the video of the two female soldiers shot in the vagina 
which he said was recorded by Hamas gunmen and recently recovered by Israeli soldiers. A colleague sat next to him, Marit Ben Mayor, a police chief superintendent, who said she believed that the brutality against women was a combination of two ferocious forces. One, the hatred for Jews. Two, the hatred for women. Some emergency medical workers now wish they had documented more of what they saw. In interviews, they said they had moved bodies, cut off zip ties, and cleaned up scenes of carnage while trying to be respectful to the dead, they inadvertently destroyed evidence. Many volunteers working for Zaka, the emergency response team, are religious Jews and operate under strict rules that command deep respect for the dead. Yossi Lendau, a volunteer for the Zaka group, said, I did not take pictures because we are not allowed to take pictures. In retrospect, I regret it. There are at least three women and one man who were sexually assaulted and survived, according to Gil Horev, spokesman for Israel's Ministry of Welfare and Social Affairs. He said none of them has been willing to come physically for treatment. Two therapists said they were working with a woman who was gang-raped at the rave dance party and was no condition to talk to investigators or reporters. The trauma from sexual assault can be so heavy that sometimes, according to several rape counselors, sometimes survivors do not speak about it for years. Orit Sulitsino executive director of the Association of Rape Crisis Centers in Israel, said many people are looking for the golden evidence of a woman who will testify about what happened to her. But don't look for that. Don't put this pressure on this woman. The corpses tell the story. Going back to Ms. Abdush, the uh, woman whose body was found sprawled on the road, one of the last images of her alive, captured by a security camera mounted on her front door, shows her leaving home with her husband, Nagy, at 2.30 a.m. on October 7th to go to the rave dance party. He was wearing jeans and a black T-shirt. She was dressed in a short black dress, a black shawl tied around her waist, and combat boots. As she strutted out the door, she took a swig from a glass. Her brother-in-law remembers it was Red Bull and vodka and laughed. Her sister said her motto was, you got to live life like it's your last moments. At daybreak, hundreds of terrorists closed in on the party from several directions, blocking the highways leading out. The couple jumped into their Audi dashing off a string of messages as they moved. Ms. Abdush wrote to her family, we're on the border. We're leaving. Explosions. 
Her husband made his own calls to his family, leaving a final audio message for his brother, Nisim, at 7.44 a.m. on October 7th. On that voicemail, he said, Take care of the kids. I love you. Gunshots rang out, and the message, is, and the message stopped. That night, Eden Wesley, a car mechanic, drove to the site of the rave dance party with three friends and found Ms. Abdush sprawled half-naked on the road next to her burned car about nine miles north of the site. She did not see the body of Mr. Abdush. She saw other burned cars and other bodies and shot videos of several, hoping that they would help people to identify missing relatives. When she posted the video of the woman in the black dress on her Instagram story, she was deluged with messages. One of them read, Hi, based on your description of the woman in the black dress, did she have blonde hair? Another said, Eden, the woman you described with the black dress, do you remember the color of her eyes? Some members of the Abdush family saw that video and another version of it filmed by one of Ms. Wesley's friends. They immediately suspected that the body was Ms. Abdush, and based on the way her body was found, they feared that she might have been raped. But they kept alive a flicker of hope that somehow it wasn't true. The videos caught the eye of Israeli officials as well. Very quickly after October 7th, they began gathering evidence of atrocities. They included footage of Ms. Abdush's body in a presentation made to foreign governments and media organizations using her as a representation of violence committed against women that day. A week after her body was found, three government social workers appeared at the gate of the family's home in Kiryat Ekron, a small town in central Israel. They broke the news that Ms. Abdesh, 34, had been found dead. But the only document the family received was a one-page form letter from Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, expressing his condolences and sending a hug. The body of Mr. Abdesh, 35, was identified two days after his wife's. His body was badly burned, and investigators determined who he was based on a DNA sample and his wedding ring. The couple had been together since they were teenagers. To the family, it seems as if it were only yesterday that Mr. Abdush was heading off to work to fix water heaters, a bag of tools slung over his shoulder, and Ms. Abdush was cooking up mashed potatoes and schnitzel for their two sons, 10-year-old Eliav and 7-year-old Raphael. The boys are now orphans. They were sleeping over in an aunt's home the night their parents were killed. Ms. Abdush's mother and father have applied for permanent custody, and everyone is chipping in to help. Night after night, Ms. Abdush's mother, Eddie Braca, lies in bed with the boys, 10-year-old Eliav and 7-year-old Raphael, until they drift off. A few weeks ago, she said she tried to quietly leave their bedroom when the younger boy stopped her. He said, Grandma, 
I want to ask you a question. She answered, honey, you can ask anything. Grandma, how did mom die? And that, dear friends, is how the article from the New York Times ends. That is the end of the article. Screams without words. How Hamas weaponized sexual violence on October 7th. It's, uh, it is heartbreaking, but it is also enraging and infuriating. And let me just tell you something. It is my hope and my prayer that given the brutal, merciless, and barbaric attack on innocent men, women, and children in Israel on October 7th, 2023, it is my hope and my prayer that Israel will eradicate the monsters of Hamas and any and all of their enablers with extreme prejudice. Since the leaders of Hamas have publicly stated that the October 7th massacre is just the beginning and they intend to repeat it over and over again, I think I speak for many Americans. We condemn the Biden administration, the United Nations, and any other organization that attempts to coerce Israel to in any way moderate its efforts to vanquish its mortal enemies. With Israel, we long for peace in the Middle East, but we also realize it is foolhardy to suggest that the state of Israel can somehow peacefully coexist alongside a culture which indoctrinates its children to believe they are serving God by killing the Jews. Do you realize that some of these Hamas guys were calling mom and dad and talking about how proud they were to have killed Jews with their bare hands and their mother and father were giving praise to their God? They think his name is Allah. His name's really Satan. That's demonic. And they believe it with every fiber of their being. You tell me. You tell me how we're supposed to coexist with people like this. Israel seems to have finally come to the conclusion that to prevent its enemies from continuing to attack Israeli citizens, it must take drastic actions. I certainly hope. I certainly hope that they do. I certainly hope that they are successful. I certainly hope that they ignore the protestations of the United Nations. They ignore the protestations of Joe Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. It's, it's outrageous. Now, what's also outrageous, let me, let me give some context here. My wife and I stopped watching Fox News after the presidential election 2020. And a few months later, a buddy of mine would text me every once in a while, hey, Doc, man, did you, did you hear what Tucker Carlson just said? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I don't, I don't watch Fox News. No, seriously, you got to check him out. And so we were finally dragged back into watching uh, Fox News because of the things that 
Tucker Carlson was reporting on. And then he was fired. I saw I saw the announcement live when Harris Faulkner uh, read the announcement from Fox News Corporate that Tucker Carlson had been severed from the uh, the network, and I thought it was outrageous. And I I interviewed his uh, his biographer. the The video of the interview is still on our YouTube channel. But uh, lately, uh, Tucker has, uh, how, how should we say it? He's lost the plot. I did a two-part podcast a few weeks ago about him allowing Candace Owens to come on his show and basically spout Hamas talking points, allowing her to lie about having condemned October 7th, which she never did. She was using Hamas talking points three days after October 7th to imply that Israel was committing genocide. And now, Tucker goes on some show called Breaking Points with Sagar and Crystal. And the Sagar guy had been talking about Ben Shapiro. And Tucker goes on to slander Ben Shapiro, and it went something like this. There are people on the right who have spent the last two months every single day focused on a conflict in a foreign country as their own country becomes dangerously unstable on the brink of financial collapse with tens of millions of people who shouldn't be here in the country. We don't know their identities or the purpose of their being here. Like stuff that could destroy the country for real and make it impossible for my kids to live here. They've said nothing about that, and they're focused with laser intensity on foreign conflicts. And I'm like, at some point, I've got four kids. If I'm so caught up in the problems of my neighbor's children and completely ignoring my own children as they get addicted to drugs and kill themselves. He thinks you're stupid, by the way. Tucker recently has gone to Argentina and Spain and, and reported in great detail about what's going on in these foreign countries. But he's talking about Ben Shapiro here. Claiming he doesn't care about what's going on in the USA because he's concerned and upset about the biggest slaughter, the biggest Holocaust of Israelis, of Jews, since the Holocaust of World War II. Tucker thinks you're stupid. Here's the rest. You know, I'm not against helping my neighbor's kids, but clearly I don't love my kids. I mean, that's that's you know, that's the only logical conclusion. And they don't care about the country at all. And that's, you know, that's kind of their prerogative. But I do because I have no choice because I'm from here. My family's been here hundreds of years. I plan to stay here like I, I'm shocked by how little they care about the country and including the person you mentioned. And I, I can't imagine how someone like that could get an audience of people who claimed about him uh, to care about America because he doesn't obviously. Tucker's lying through his teeth, and he knows it. And I would say it to his face. It's outrageous. Saying that because Ben Shapiro is concerned and upset about the jihad attack on people in Israel, that he doesn't care about this country. Well, I'm old enough to recall when uh, Tucker Carlson talked about Ukraine over and over and over and over again on his Fox News Channel show. So I guess that means he doesn't care about the USA either because, you know, that's a different country. 
And again, recently, he's gone to Spain. Recently, he's gone to Argentina. So I guess, I guess Tucker doesn't care about the USA either. I mean, why would you want to be known as an anti-Semite? Because let's face it. Let's face it. He's not upset with people getting all bent out of shape on Ukraine, regardless of which side of that issue you're on. Again, he goes to Spain, he goes to Argentina. That's fine. But he doesn't want anybody concerned about what's going on with Israel. And he lets this Hamas spokesmouth, Candace Owens, come on his show and just lie indiscriminately. I don't know what happened to this guy. But I, you know, I just can't roll over and play patty cake. I can't pretend, okay? I can't pretend. So there's a guy named uh, Eli Baer. And he actually started an organization called United Hatzalah of Israel, Israel's national community-based volunteer EMS organization providing the highest level of care to all free of charge. I'm going to share with you what he saw in just a moment as the Doc Washburn Show continues. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, he's expanded MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bedsheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bedsheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29 and twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all-season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all-season moccasin slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slipper Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge 
against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, Raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone, this beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. All right, let me uh, let me share with you what this gentleman, Ellie Baer, founder and president of United Hatzalah of Israel, Israel's national community-based volunteer EMS organization providing the highest level of care to all free of charge. His thoughts. I don't think Tucker Carlson would be interested in it, but but you might be. I saw in my own eyes a woman who was pregnant, four months pregnant. She was in a little village, a little kibbutz. They came into her house in front of her kids. They opened up her stomach. She was pregnant. They opened up her stomach, took out the baby and stabbed the little tiny baby in front of her and then shot her in front of her family. And then they killed the rest of the kids. These are not regular enemies. These are not regular situations. I saw little kids who are beheaded. We didn't know which head belongs to which kid. I was crying for five days straight. I couldn't get out. I couldn't stop crying. See, little children, some of them had grandparents who were Holocaust survivors, and they were murdered in a Holocaust in Israel in 2023. Little babies, little children, you couldn't even recognize if they were kids. They couldn't, we couldn't even recognize we saw a little baby in an oven. They put them in, these bastards put these babies in an oven and put on the oven. We found the kid a few hours later. And Tucker Carlson doesn't understand why that should concern anybody. Huh. Hey, Tucker. Then they came for the Jews. I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Jew. What are you going to do when they come for you, Tucker? Huh? That's what I like to ask him. Again, Christopher Ray, FBI director. Not known for sounding any alarms, you know? The FBI is like the palace guard of the regime. Let's not fool ourselves. They're like the Praetorian guard for the regime. And even he's saying, hey, 
kind of concerned something like that could happen in the U.S. So uh, it's just it's just crazy the New York Times is willing to tell the truth about this. It's crazy that CNN is willing to tell the truth about this. Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, who has usually been consistently awful, he goes to Israel. He interviews this woman, Lenore Atias. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Deputy Director of Disaster Management with United Hatzalah of Israel. And uh, this is a little over two and a half minutes, and it's very emotional. And here's what happened. I remember that I turned my head and I saw the family. They tied up the kids. And the, and the parents was tied up in front of their kids. And they shot them. So much blood. And I, I didn't have the time to feel anything at that moment. I just... This how, many, is, how many people? There were four. Two kids around a girl the same as my girl age, around 11, and something like a boy six years old. Honestly, that moment just blocked my feeling. I, I understood that now I'm a, I am a soldier, a robotic soldier, if I want to survive that and just to help as many people as, as we can. There was a, a little girl, around eight or nine years old, and they cut her hand here. Over. When she says they cut her hand here, she's pointing at the inside of an elbow. They cut her arm off at the elbow. Here. They On, cut it or they cut it all? They just cut it all. No hand. And she was still breathing. She was just, like, shaking. And I prefer my tourniquet, but it was her last breathing. Her last breathing. I wasn't there earlier to save her. She just lost so many blood for hours, all by herself. No one was near her even. She was so afraid. Her eyes, all by herself. How old was she? Around 10. Around 10 or 12, I don't know. Everything just... I don't, I don't know how to explain that. No. I don't know how to explain that. It's... I don't... I don't know what kind of evil demon can create that kind of... Operation, because they thought of about everything. It was well organized, and the world need to know that right now. She doesn't know what kind of evil demon could create that kind of operation. What kind of evil demon chops a little girl's arm off? 
and lets and leaves her to bleed out by herself. What kind of evil demon can do this? Now I'm going to say something that's going to upset some people, but I've got to tell you the truth. Sadly, the jihadists maniacal Jew hatred, the jihadists' exhortations to commit violence against not just Jews, but Christians and other so-called infidels, non-Muslims. This comes straight out of what they call the Holy Quran and the Hadith, the Sunnah, the other books that are supposed to help them to understand Muhammad, their great false prophet. There are many exhortations of violence toward non-Muslims in the Quran and the other writings. And they learn this from the cradle. They don't learn linear reasoning, but they certainly learn to hate non-Muslims. Now, I get along fine with Muslims who do not take the exhortations to violence against non-Muslims seriously. But you never know when one is going to flip. You never know when one's going to do a 180 on you. You never know when one is lying to you and may be peaceful to you for many years. But then when the opportunity presents itself, all of a sudden goes sudden jihad on you. It's a religious problem. There have, oh, there have been over 44,000 jihad attacks in this world since September 11th, 2001. And there's a website called that have been going on all over the world since September 11, 2001. Now, every once in a while, when I'm talking about this kind of thing on social media, somebody will say, ha, ha, oh, you ever read the Old Testament? A lot of violence, the Old Testament. Okay, you tell me where there are many thousands of people who believe that they are supposed to commit violence against people who don't follow the Old Testament here thousands of years later. And when I say it like that, they shut up. Because nobody takes as normative for the 21st century something in the Old Testament where God told the children of Israel wipe out this army or that country or whatever. But, but, with Islam, oh, it's entirely different. Uh, let me, uh, let me share with you something here. You know what? We may as well make this uh, our tweet of the day. 
brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to, online at redriverauto.com, have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. This tweet of the day is kind of like a, a two-parter. I tweeted out on December 29th, if you're trying to wrap your mind around the average so-called Palestinian mindset, these two tweets would be a great place to start. And the tweets are from a guy who calls himself Ali Adi. Ali Adi. Who apparently is an Arab who lives in Israel. He says, well, he's quoting people who say, how can you support Israel when it's pure evil? He says, my answer is, this opinion says more about you than about Israel. My experience as an Israeli Arab, some would call it Palestinian, is that we're being taught to hate Israel from young age. This is fueled by three factors. Number one, ignorance. Number two, obsession. Number three, anti-Semitism. So let's deal with them one at a time. Number one, ignorance. Arab societies, generally less educated, become susceptible to the manipulation of leaders with agenda. This includes a tendency to believe in conspiracy theories. The lack of understanding about history and anthropology and the universality of conflict, displacement, and warfare throughout human history distorts the perception of the Palestinian cause, making it appear uniquely exceptional and dramatic. All right, number two, obsession. On top of general lack of historic knowledge, there's over-knowledge about each and every detail of Israel's shortcomings. This hyper-awareness often leads to the misconception that events in Israel are unparalleled and are attributable to its identity as a country or a Jewish nation. For example, in the current war, those with limited knowledge of common warfare practices might be shocked by Israel's actions, such as the treatment of prisoners of war, as they really believe it is unprecedented or irrational. Number three, anti-Semitism. This allows them to believe conspiracy theories that Israel is acting out of interest to control the world or purge any ethnicities around it. When the data on the ground doesn't support any of this, but the opposite. For instance, Israel wants to expand. When in fact, Israel willingly relinquished and retreated from territory whenever peace was an option. Ignorance and obsession are a golden duo in this case because it is well expected that if you dive deep into any country's news, you'll find enough instances of crime, corruption, and expressions of racism. This is particularly true in the case of Israel, a democracy where citizens actively engage in self-critique, and the governance system operates with transparency. But when those flaws are gathered into one concentrated demonic piece of so-called information, it gives the haters the impression that they are looking into the eye of evil itself. Sometimes the ignorance of the pro-Palestine 
comments feels like somebody saying, hey, did you hear that Israel locks people in rooms when they do something illegal? What a sick, statistic country. Yeah, it's called jail, and all countries do it from the beginning of history. That is Ali Adi, an Arab who lives in Israel, trying to make sense of uh, other Arabs. And it sounds like he's got his work cut out for him. That's the tweet of the day brought to you by Red River Auto, where you can buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to at redriverauto.com. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. You've been listening to episode 419 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability of the Doc Washburn Show. And that's where it is, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024.